You're listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast, where we speak with founders, CEOs, investors, advisors, experts, and thought leaders in the brave new world of psychedelics and entheogenic medicines. Brought to you by Psychedelic Invest, bringing you unparalleled psychedelic investing data and analysis. Psychedelic Invest is the industry's leading resource for those looking to invest in the burgeoning psychedelic industry. For more information and to access all of the podcast episodes, check out our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. And now here's the host of the Psychedelic Invest podcast, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is the Psychedelic Invest Podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Our guest today is Christy Myers. She is CEO and founder at Flow Integrative. We're going to talk about the world of psychedelics and therapy and really kind of understanding where we are in understanding kind of how they work, why they work, where they work, and how we're really going to sort of develop not only kind of the compounds and the therapeutic process, but really the overall industry and how do we really bring this to the people that need this medicine, need this therapy, and help them? And lots of kind of intricacies there and challenges, opportunities, uncertainties, things we're still kind of learning. I'm always curious of talking with folks that are really in the thick of it, working with the industry, working with patients, and kind of understanding where we are and where do we need to go. So with all that, Christy, welcome to the program. I appreciate it, Bruce. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So before we dive into what you're doing today with Flow Integrative and the therapy work you're doing, I would love to just kind of get background, background on your role as therapist, your background with psychedelics. Give us a little of the backstory. Yeah, absolutely. I've spent the last 25 years in emergency medicine in many different variations. Started in wildland fire and transitioning to municipal and from there spending time really developing skills medicinally. So spending time as an EMT, uh, working in the hospital, as well as private ambulance companies, and then transitioning from there into paramedicine, uh, where I spent several years on ground ambulances. Mm -hmm. At the same time, concurrently working for my education, doing my undergrad and my graduate Uh, over about a 10-year time span, uh, while also teaching. So I had my foot and, I guess you could say, feet in many different areas, but uh, same umbrella, same structure. Yeah. And from there, I've transitioned into flight medicine. So as I went into flight medicine, uh, I was also really starting to build out family. I flew until I was five months pregnant with my son, who is now 13. Yeah. And so then that really inspired me to just transition ever so much into the classroom. Uh, I really enjoyed teaching. I had been doing some some professional expert work, being able to teach or do skills. And so after I had my son, I graduated shortly thereafter with my bachelor's in public safety, finishing with my master's degree in leadership and education when my daughter was born in 2012. Uh, And then that really pushed me more so into the education side so I could be home at night, no longer work in those uh, 72-hour shifts, eventually leading to tenure. Uh, So I earned tenure in 2021, uh, Mm -hmm. and that was at the same time frame that I started building Flow. 
so part of this story as well, too, is that ketamine found me, or uh, I should say better, it entered my classroom as well as mm-hmm. my drug box. Uh, so I had lectured on the medicine for about three years uh, okay. prior to really building out psychedelics. Interesting. And how did the psychedelics, like why investigate this area of kind of medicine? What was the, what was the motivation? For sure. In my classroom, I taught anatomy, physiology, pharmacology, and the theoretical side of medicine. And so the more I incorporated all three of those, it became really clear that we are the drugs. The catecholamines, the neurotransmitters, the way that we are designed uh, as human beings we truly can cultivate all those feelings that are we seek outside of ourselves, inside of ourselves. And the thresholds that start to develop just based off of our profession, uh, epinephrine, norepinephrine, adrenaline, right? Speed and aggression, hurry and worry, uh, all of those chemicals and the control that we have over them more so than we realize. Uh, and so that's where ketamine came in as a, as a tool uh, initially, when I was building, it was who helps the help. Uh, hey. you know, I, mean, I call 911 and I'm going to show up. Yep. And so now what? I mean, we, our profession is one of those that it's, the, it's pretty challenging to ask for help. Yeah, I can imagine. But I'm curious, it, being trained in medicine, being trained in services, medical services, what's, how has that, I guess, helped you understand psychedelics and their application and their benefit? And, and how has it hindered you? <laughs> I mean, I guess, is there anything about your training that maybe, you know, set you up for, for things that you had to kind of maybe rethink or relearn? Yeah, for sure. My kids really helped with that. <laughs> uh, I guess more so it's in the complexities, right? I mean, when people are experiencing tragedy, uh-huh. it's through the eyes of the observer that we put or have judgment around it or we deem its intensity, right? And so when you've seen a multitude of casualties or injuries, then it's also working to not become jaded. Yeah. Or building up that armor, even more so to where you become callous or it really takes a tremendous amount to really make an impact, you know? And so doing my own inner work, being able to deduce those barriers to where there is relatability. And that's one of the gifts that came from all of this is being able to hold space in relatability from having one being the provider and two also walking through my own story. Yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit more about flow integrative, what what its purpose is, what what do you, I guess, a little bit of how it came about, give us the this, this story and, and what your intention is there. Yeah, flow is comprised of three entities. Uh, so for myself, uh, I'm not a physician. And uh, just to be clear as well, too, uh, with my master's degree in leadership and education, I put myself through a multitude of courses to be able to hold space. Because uh, mm-hmm. again, this is... Flow is my life's work presented up and until this point. But flow is comprised of three entities. So I built a professional corporation, which is my medical practice. Mm -hmm. That's where we demonstrate competency of all the things that we're building for medicine in motion. But that's run by my management service organization, or an MSO. And so that MSO is what really allows for the infrastructure 
and I've spent a lot of time for whatever I demonstrate for competency in my professional corporation, I meet and exceed in my organization. Mm-hmm. So they, bu- they built in tandem, and there I attached a nonprofit to the organization to uh, continuously practice medicine in motion as an R&D. Okay. And what, and what researching, like what, what is the focus of the research or what are you learning through the nonprofit? For sure. Well, uh, last year we were given the opportunity with partnership with Anthea, who is the first of its kind as a third party administrator, mm-hmm. and Dr. Bronner's as an employer driven benefit. And so, for example, we're utilizing this medicine off label. And so, the protocols and what's been created is mm-hmm. for a multitude of disorders. Whereas traditional literature, I mean, if you look at the research, it's isolated, uh, whether it's major depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's PTSD, uh, even though they have their own diagnoses, they have a lot of symptomology based. And so what we're doing is really building out protocols that have more specificities, but also allow for individuality uh, because it's predictably unpredictable. Each human is the variable. Yeah, uh, And so really creating methodology and the theology. I mean, this is all theoretical as we're, we're impacting consciousness. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're primarily working with ketamine right now? And, and what, how, I guess, why ketamine either logistically or from a kind of a, a pharmaceutical or, or therapeutic effect? And what other kind of compounds have you been looking at or not looking at? And, and how do those play out over time? Right. Well, again, the mission, I mean, as a licensed paramedic and provider and being in the industry for so long, you can see how it's a line, Bruce. It's white house, black market, right? Okay. And not to discredit any of the underground because it's the underground which allows it to come above ground. Uh, but for us and for the relationship that has been cultivated with Dr. Stroh, who is my chief medical director, it? Uh, we're staying in the legal realms. Yes. And so ketamine is FDA approved. It's been something that has been versatile medicine in my professional world for over 20 years. So there's a level of comfort with that as well, too. Uh, and so really, how do we give access? How do we open up insurance? And how do we make this impact and that's where the organization comes in because it allows for us to provide for the infrastructure for others who want to work with this medicine, right? We, we come with all of this strategy and standardization, compliance, accessibility, so that it's not a guessing game. Uh, we're all practicing medicine or every doctor is practicing medicine. That's why they call it a practice. Yeah. Right. And so what we're doing is we're taking the guess out of it. We're taking the intelligence of the last 20 years professionally and delivering it future forward so that we can have ethical practices and really help each other so that we're not still siloing like we've seen the last 100 years in traditional medicine. Yeah. And what, what do you find is kind of core to the teaching? I mean, is this about sort of diagnosis process, administration process, therapeutic process, where are you focused and where do you find that practitioners need the most sort of support and insight and instruction? It's empowering the clients. We are the answer just as much as we are the problem. So it's creating that safe container. 
the answers lie within. For some of us, we do need help with extrapolating information and or being able to unfold with a professional to help us organize those thoughts and reframe and pattern. Uh, but each person is the answer. And that's where integration becomes so important because you can, traditionally, you can be told all these things, but it's not until you have an inner awareness that you can truly understand where you need to cultivate or where you need to evolve to become a greater version of yourself. It's yeah. empowering the people, but it's also giving access to the providers so that we're not out here guessing. I mean, for, for some, they don't even know they're operating below board. Yeah, yeah. But, and tell me a little bit about the whole, you know, working with companies, in this case, Dr. Bronner's, in terms of providing this as a benefit. I mean, are you... Sounds like you're you're kind of navigating the whole. How do we make this a standard kind of service that's available to folks? You know, just like other medical services. Like, how is this playing out? Are you is this a separate service? Are you working with the insurance companies? What are you finding as being kind of the logistics of kind of navigating this weird employer healthcare world that we have in the U.S. Right, it's a great question. Well, for every dollar spent on mental health, it's a four dollar return. Really? Oh yeah. So you want to optimize your people. You you help them where they truly need to be helped, right? And uh, for there not to be lines crossed, uh, to bring in a third-party administrator is very important because now you have a facilitator, you have a a middle entity that's being able to say, yes, hey, this is the clinics that are verified and and we have trust in for their modalities Mm -hmm. and the way they deliver this medicine. And so now there's an access point for people to come receive care uh, without the employer knowing who, mm-hmm. matter-of-factly, right? Uh, yeah. So it, it creates this really beautiful relationship where it's granting access. So unlike traditional insurance, right, you're paying a monthly fee, whether you use it or not. Yeah. When I worked as a professor, I we it was like $2,500, $2,800 a month. I never used it one time. Yep. Where'd all that money go, right? Uh, and so for this, with it being a, an employer-driven benefit in the sense that you're giving access to every single one of your employees, right? Mm-hmm. And Dr. Bronner's went as far as also offering it to all of their families. Wow. Oh, yeah. They are the future. Mm-hmm. And so with that, how many are going to use it? In a course of a year, we we saw 45 people. 33 mm-hmm. went through the medicine. Yep. And so now you're paying per person rather than this huge premium for everyone. Yeah. So it's a, it's an additional medical service. It's not included in your base. You're, you're not trying to work through the health insurance system. Well, and that's where we did both. So what this really allowed for is also to really beta test and pilot, right? So what we can do for one, we can do for the other. Yeah. Because that's where moral injury starts to come in in all of this. People call and you can hear that they are in disparity or crisis or perhaps they're curious. And it's like, well, does my traditional insurance cover this? And when you say no, it's like, well, why? Yeah. And so that's where, again, the last 20 years in medicine, majority of the men and women I worked with, and we were Blue Shield, Blue Cross. And so that was one of the first insurance companies that we really tapped into we introduced ourselves or we built into the market as psychedelic wellness. We are in-network providers for Blue mm-hmm. Shield Blue Cross. And so now it's ha- we're gaining access, right? And so now it's the ability to submit 
to have predetermination to really allow access to come in. But again, you can see the discrepancies and the variabilities. For example, we're in network with over 800 different PPO policies. Yeah. Why? Right? That's wild. Yeah. And so with that, every single one of those has a different deductible and has a different cost structure for the services that they allow for. Okay. So that's the variable, right? Where mm-hmm. psychedelic insurance comes in is we're working with one thing. We're working with ketamine infusion therapy or psychedelic assisted therapy. And so now there's not this inconsistency or these variabilities or these deductibles or these in-networks or out-of-networks. Uh, and I, I do believe that part of this Blue Shield Blue Cross is such a, a gift because it also shows that it gives permission to those who think that this is potentially illegal. Yeah. It's like one of the number one questions I get is, is this legal for professionals? It's like, it's a schedule three. It's no separate from going to get Tylenol with codeine when you go to the dentist. Yeah. And you're finding, I'm curious what the insurance company's sort of interest or how they're sort of positioned with psychedelics at this point. I mean, I, like on one hand, it is a little innovative, right? I mean, this is, we, we, we are just kind of the on the edge of figuring out some of these practices and therapeutic models. On the other hand, there this is addressing some issues that are quite problematic and quite costly for insurance companies. Where, it's, where, where do you see them kind of relating to psychedelics? Where do you think their interest is? Where do you think it's going to go? Well, we're on a precipice, and so if we really don't look at the structure and what we're saying yes to, then it's going to push people underground. Yeah. And the further we push underground, then the more control is lost. And I don't say that from like an organizational standpoint, right? But uh, we start expanding consciousness, and if it's not intentional with safe containers and professionals that are truly in this for the greatest good of humanity. Yeah then we're going to lose a lot of people unnecessarily. Yeah. Because we're in desperation, right? We know pharmaceuticals, pharmaceuticals were built for a temporary time frame, not a long-term game. Yeah. And so what we also need to talk about is what does that look like to come off of it? If we're meant to be on antidepressants for six months while we work through it, then we should be able to titrate off. Mm-hmm. But instead, it becomes something where now our body's being comprised of it. If we start looking at half-life and bioavailability and all these other factors that come in, we're creating more of a problem rather than just allowing access for people's choice, right? It's like a second opinion. Yeah, interesting. If, if we truly look at the number one cause of death in the world, Bruce, is healthcare. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What are we still, I guess, figuring out as, as you're looking at kind of the the models and the therapeutic process, like what, what do you feel like we're really, we really know or that we feel like really works and, and is important and which pace, which areas do you feel like there's, we're still kind of figuring things out and testing different models? Like well, give, me, give me a sense from a therapist kind of application point of view, what's, what is, uh, what's happening on the ground? For sure. Well, everyone thinks they're right. <laughs> so you have a medical model, right, where the doctors are providing this and it's being done alone with no mental health. Mm-hmm. So now we're treating it as if it's a medical problem, it's symptomology-based, perhaps it's pain management or whatever it may be. Uh, but where we've isolated medicine is that we're not we're not acknowledging that the mind and the body work together. Hey. Right? So you have the mental health model, and they are certain that it's right. And you have the medical model, and they too are certain that it's right. Where do we find common ground? Because both need to exist. Yeah. 
you can't have one without the other. And it's kind of silly, right? I mean, we've done this so intently with medicine, right? If something's wrong with your heart, you're not going to a gynecologist. Yeah. And because we've created this specificity, we also think that we need to create specificity for this as well, too. Well, we're impacting consciousness, and the end result of that is symptom reduction. And so if you look at symptomology, everybody has a different philosophy of symptomology. So if you were to tell me the things that you have wrong, it's only through the lens of my observation that I can truly provide you with what I think is a diagnosis, but I'm also only limited to my own internal belief systems as well as my own intelligence. Yeah. And so it's, okay, well, if we are the problem, we're also the solution. And so what psychedelics are allowing for is people to sit with themselves and to truly go inward. And that's where the answers lie. That's where you're able to see yourself as the observer from a higher state of consciousness, not from the one that is in torment or in victimization. Mm -hmm. So now you're truly tapping into these higher states of consciousness to where you can witness self. And in that witnessing, you can see or feel or understand. It's different and intimate for everyone where you truly need evolution. And I don't like using the word change because then it feels like there's something wrong with you, mm-hmm. right? Everyone's yeah. perfect as they are. We have an ideal version of ourselves that exists. Well, how are you going to go get it? Yeah. How, I guess how much do you, I mean, it seems we're, we're applying this to conditions, to situations where people are really struggling, quite hindered, right? Like their their quality of life is hurt in, in some way because of the condition and, and these kind of therapies can help you know, either with this kind of better awareness and people start making changes and finding better strategies, some neuroplasticity, right? Like both both kind of things are changing versus how much do you see this as just something that helps anybody just be better or be, you know, find the next version of themselves, even at a high performance level? I mean, where is there, do you feel like this applies to kind of all levels of the spectrum? Do you feel like this should be available? I'm, I'm kind of curious on what you've seen from a therapeutic process and where we should really focus some of this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where it ties into the build. So what truly is being cultivated is a a sliding scale for consciousness. And so for each person, the impact is going to be so different, right? I mean, it's like, what do we do for the working professionals who are in so much hurry and worry or have crippling, high-functioning anxiety? Yeah. But to the layman or to the outside world, they look like they have it all together. Yeah, exactly. And so all we've done is just really mask the different ways that we cope. We all have different coping strategies, distractions, distortions, perversions. We have all these multiplicities of the way that we handle internally this experience that we're having on life university, right? I mean, I don't know if we remember, but we're floating in the middle of a universe, spinning around Mm -hmm. about a thousand miles an hour. Uh, all the time, yep. <laughs> right? And so in that, for each person, as they're impacted, that's where the medicine meets you. And so we're yeah. also trying to create these gradients or these scales, which is impossible because for one, I'm placing false pretenses, right? So Bruce, if you come sit with the medicine, if I have an expectation for you and you don't meet that, that's going to let you down. Yeah, And it's going to impact me because I also think that I'm not doing something therapeutically, right? It's yeah. like we create our own conundrums. <laughs> Isn't that true? And in all of it, I mean, we're asking people to fill out surveys. Yes, do we need validity for numbers and actuality and so that we can see symptom reduction? Absolutely. 
the real question is, is do you want to evolve? We're evolving our beings. We right now currently only use 5% of our conscious mind. Like the real question should be, why isn't this yes. the number one priority to evolve our consciousness? Yeah. No. In terms of the people you've been working with and, and I guess the therapy you've been able to provide, like what's, as you think about kind of scaling or, uh, you know, being able to serve more people, like what are the challenges that come up and how do you kind of envision solving some of these things? For sure. That's where the organization comes in. So the organization's empowerment to the providers, meaning we're coming in with the legal structure. We're coming in with the back office. We're coming in with all of the how to's. So they, it allows practitioners to practice. Yeah, I, never would I want to come in and be like, hey, you've got to do it my way. This is what I know how to do. This is what I can show you how to do. And there's a lot that I can also be taught. Uh, and so it's not putting specialness on that. It's allowing the organization to truly come in and innovate your current practice. I talk to so many physicians who want to work with psychedelics, but they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, here's a playbook. And here's a whole bunch of standardization and compliance and methodologies. And then it's also, what are you willing to do, right? There's some of practitioners I've talked to that have gone through all this training. And when it comes to boots on the ground, they can't perform. And so it really makes you aware intimately of how you're able to perform skills. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts in this last three years of building flow is that I'm boots on the ground. So not only am I creating and innovating and have this vision for how we can be implementing, but I'm also demonstrating it and practicing it live time in the clinic. Yeah. And so the ability to see every aspect the best I can, right? I mean, we're learning. I plan to practice medicine in motion for many moons to come. And with that, the next wave of medicine comes in, right? Because uh, when MDMA comes in, yeah. we're, we're looking at some outrageous costs, right? I saw Australia's $25,000 is what really? I uh, saw wow. for in MDMA sessions. Perhaps maybe that's three sessions. But how do we make this cost effective? Otherwise, again, we're going to push everybody underground. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, is this, I mean, what's good, I guess, if you could change something, like if you, if you really had the ability to just kind of change a fundamental aspect of the industry now, right now, what, what would it be like? What's really holding us back from, from seeing these therapies developed and, and broader access to, to these treatments? We've given our power away to some rules and regulations that are really outdated. Meaning, Bruce, we can show that DMT, dimethyltryptyline, is a mm -hmm. latent system inside of our physical body, which then it, that would make all of us a Schedule One drug. Yeah, you're by just by genetically genetic design. We're all we felonies if that's the case, right? I mean, it's kind of Lock silly. Us up. It's like yeah. we we've evolved a lot of what we know, and we're still playing by rules that are a century old, and we're asking permission rather than just creating new. Act. And that's truly what the vision is, and what flow holds is. It's empowering this revolution. Yeah. Christy, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Flow, what's the best way to get that information? Uh, you can absolutely feel free to message me on LinkedIn. You can find me at Christy Myers. It's M-Y-E-R-S. Uh, or you can go directly to our website, flowintegrativeketamine.com. Uh, and you can submit an inquiry right there. Great. I'll make sure that uh, all that information is in the show notes so people can get that. 
highly encourage people to check it out. Garcia, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yeah, absolutely, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can find more episodes on all the major podcasting platforms and our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast.